Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of The Zach Drew Show. I'm your host, Zach Drew. And I'm Andrew Bellers. We have, once again, a powerful, uh, jam-packed show. Um, got some even messages this week of people just saying that uh, they look forward to every show that we do, and they won't miss a one, and uh, the Holy Spirit uh, teaches them and, and wrecks them while they watch the show, and I was so encouraged uh, by this comment. Uh, <clears throat> there's a woman by the name of Rachel that messaged us this week, and and I know there's so many people out there just like that, that tune in every week, and it's just amazing. It's just awesome, yeah. and it's by the grace of God that uh, we can do this for a living. We know that we've been called to do this by God, and and it's just amazing. I, and I truly am praying and believing and have faith that we've been doing this now since 2018. Mm-hmm. And if you go and look back at our first shows in 2018, wow, have we grown. <laughs> yeah. uh, we went from uh, just a set uh, in, you know, actually not even indicator um, that, uh, uh, gosh, uh, don't despise small beginnings. Yeah. And you couldn't have started in a smaller way. Uh, and then we you know, graduated to the um, office studio and it was just an amazing upgrade and now we're here. And I, I'm just praying for radical increase, radical uh, growth in, in leaps and bounds that God is behind, that we can truly expand our staff. That's really important. Um, and uh, that we'd even grow. I, I hope in the next couple of years that we'll even outgrow this studio, that we'll have a much larger set where we can have multiple people on it, that we can have a full-time editor, a full-time producer. Um, and and I just really believe that um, God does honor faithfulness. And I think that, uh, that we're going to be continuing to be faithful. I know I am. Are you? Yeah. Good. And I'll tell you right now that the only way that we can grow one-time donations are amazing. They're awesome. So don't stop. But how we project for the future, how we can pay our monthly bills and and continue to grow is by truly, it's monthly support. And there's so many of you that do that. And there's a few families, um, and actually one of them uh, actually gave me this book, and it's really cool. We're going to talk about it sooner or later. I keep, I, I keep having an entire show planned, and then by the time Friday comes, I... Nix, nix it and go with something else. Um, so we have another show that's planned, but we're not doing it once again this week. But, uh, you know, it's going to be about technology in Iran and, and issuing biometrics uh, for uh, to, to uh, buy food in the famine and how it's a template for the rest of the world and how we should even process the future of technology, even in a positive manner. And I know one of our, our, our monthly partners sent me this book by Joshua Giles, prophetic forecast, and I'll be sharing it as sooner or later at some point in time. Um, and, and, and actually, the man who sent that is one of the, there's about four families that give on a monthly basis that in large part support what we do. But it is everybody collectively doing their part. And I have a brand new um, thing that we have been prepping for almost a year that I am asking every single person that watches our show, please get involved with this. Um, and, and, if, and, and talk to your talk to your wife, talk to your husband, talk to whoever, be in agreement. And, and to get involved on a monthly basis so that we can grow in leaps and bounds. Listen, when you think about Paul Revere, Paul Revere, what do you think of? 
I can tell you, you think of a man on a horse, right? Warning the people that the British are coming. Now, there's a lot of, uh, uh, you know, about, you know, prophetic takeaway even from this, if, if, if uh, you'll let us uh, expand on it a little bit. He took his horse in the midnight hour, in the midnight hour, and it was to warn his patriot brothers that the British were approaching uh, Lexington and warning them of what is to come. Now, that story resonates with me. Um, I believe that we are watchmen on the wall, warning uh, the body of Christ of what is to come. This is a watchman ministry, and we do. We need a new breed of Paul Revere's to run through the night in the midnight hour, which we are in against all odds, and proclaim what is coming, and proclaim that Jesus is coming. And so we have established, it's up, it's on our website, it's ready to go. Go to ZachDrewShow.com and click the IGBY store. And you're going to see there the Paul Revere Club. Now, I'm asking every single person that watches this show to get involved and you will receive the Paul Revere Report. So join the Paul Revere Club. And what it is, it's our very first club. It's the very first thing that we have ever offered uh, since 2018. Okay, so for a monthly donation of $30, it's literally a dollar a day. And you can do it on a monthly basis or a one-time, you know, $360. And if you do that every single month, we're going to send you a special news report to your email. Okay, now you'll receive shocking articles that we literally just didn't have time to cover on the show. Uh, written commentary from us explaining the significance of the current events and how they align with prophecies that God gave us thousands of years ago through the Word of God. Um, the newsletter will have written recaps of the shows that took place during that month as well. This is all exclusive content that you can only receive as a member of the Paul Revere Club. We're also going to have a section in there where uh, with uh, uh, other videos and articles that I read uh, each month that I feel that you would enjoy as well. Listen, everyone who believes in this show, please, I'm asking you that you would join this club. Now is the time for us to grow. I feel the birth pains and I feel that God is doing a work in this ministry and something is about ready to be birthed, but God has to ignite it in your heart. And if there, if you have ever thought about giving, if you've ever thought about becoming a monthly partner, please do it now. I'm asking that every single person does this. My gosh, if every person, if every person did it, I can't even explain to you what that would do. We would be able to literally physically buy a television studio and we would be able to have a staff of 15 people. But for what we even do right now with the current networks, the current with our accountant, our media contractor, you and I, uh, uh, I think I already said TV airtime. Listen, if 10% of our viewing audience did this, which is, is several hundreds of people, but if just 10% did this, we would be able to never have to do a another television funders where we have to raise $100,000 in the fall. If we could just have that monthly support, that is how we are going to grow. If everybody did it, 
it would change so much. And we'll get there. But right now, it, it, even if just 10%, so I'm just asking everyone, I'm asking for more than 10%, if everyone can just go to ZachDrewShow.com and click the IGBY store and sign up for the Paul Revere Club and receive that exclusive report on the first of every month, it would help us tremendously. Yeah. And um, we have quite the show planned today and we'll be right back after this. Okay, so listen, I need you, I think it's gonna be really important for you to get a notepad and a pen for this show. Um, uh, and even pause it right now if you want to, to go and do that. I spoke on it some last week and I just couldn't get away from it. And I really felt compelled, and I believe it is from the Lord, to talk about it again this week and dive into it and dive into definitions. Because listen, people, definitions, though maybe you don't like definitions, but definitions are insanely important for the current climate, that we understand words and what they mean. Um, so get a piece of paper, get a pen, and you need to take notes on this show. Yeah, this is this is a really important show because basically what this is is a breakdown of some of the most important things that we've been talking about for probably over the course of the last year. Um, if you haven't really been watching the show or you've missed shows, this is probably a good one to tune into to basically literally get a breakdown of, like I said, the most important stuff we've been talking about. I would classify what we're going to be talking about in the next few minutes as a filter. And if you can always go back to the filter, these definitions of, of what these words truly mean and how it breaks down our culture, you will understand why we do so many of the shows that we do. This is the filter. And um, and I'm going to be breaking it down more than, than usual and trying, by the grace of God, to make it as simple as possible. There are three different things that we must discuss today, and it is cultural Marxism, and that's a philosophy, okay? It's a philosophy. Postmodernism, and that's also a philosophy. So there's two things there, cultural Marxism and postmodernism. And the third that we're going to be talking about, and there's a subcategory of a fourth, but the third is, and the deconstructionists, okay? These two philosophies of Marxism and postmodernism, working hand in hand, give unlimited power to deconstructionists, which gives power to revisionists. So, very quickly, as a way of review, philosophy of, uh, it's a philosophy of cultural Marxism. Cultural Marxism is different than Marxism. Marxism created by Karl Marx, there was two categories of people. It was the haves and the have-nots. You can call them the bourgeoisie and the proletariat. You can call them the capitalists and the working man. It was two categories of people. But cultural Marxism is what we're dealing with today, and it's more than just two categories of people. It's multiple categories of people and pitting them against each other. And there's seven evils according to the cultural Marxists. There's seven different categories of people, and everybody that is not one of those seven is the enemy. 
Now, if you're a part of these seven, if you're one of the seven or six of the seven or seven of the seven, you are a part of what they refer to as the cultural hegemony. The cultural hegemony is the power structure that is able to uh, 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 firmly take control of everything in the world from the economy to entertainment to art. They say that it is the cultural hegemony that is evil, and it is what controls all of the world, okay? And those seven are this. You are the enemy. If you are a white, male, American, cisgendered, uh, able-bodied uh, Christian. What? I, I, I'm missing one. White, American, American male, cisgendered, straight, able-bodied Christian. So truly, I can check the box on all seven of those. So I am the ultimate enemy of the new world order. I am the ultimate enemy of the beast system that they're trying to create. Now, I'm the enemy right now, but the ultimate enemy is that I am a Christian because they've got to put us against each other because once they can win and the, and the haves become the have-nots and the have-nots become the haves, it's an ever Indian cycle while the 1% gets more powerful and more, more rich, the enemy of any of those will always remain Christianity. So this is how the deconstructionists, so let me back up. So philosophy of cultural Marxism, the seven evils, cultural Marxists, cultural Marxists in a postmodern society can disassemble America at its founding because it was established by the cultural hegemony. So cultural Marxism allows them to destroy what it means to be an American. And I'm going to get to this in just a moment. The philosophy of postmodernism allows the deconstructionists to change uh, what it means to be moral, our moral compass, and more of a perversion, a perverted state. All right. So let me write this. I'm going to say it, like I said, just again, this is important for your notes. Cultural Marxists in a postmodern society can disassemble America even at its founding because if the enemy, white male, cisgendered Americans, so on and so forth, that is who established America. So they can actually take it all the way back to America and say that America's founding is evil because it was founded by the cultural uh, hegemic powers of the day. So they can come in and start to deconstruct that. Does that make sense? It allows for revisionist history, a history manipulated and rewritten because truth is no longer the issue. All right? It is because of the philosophy of cultural Marxism and it gives power to the deconstructionists. The deconstructionists, what they do is they take large philosophies, like in a massive, like ma imagine like large bubbles of thought, of reason, and they break it down into many subcategories. They deconstruct it to find if there's error. And that is what they're doing. So this is how deconstructionists, empowered by cultural Marxism, can implement things like this like the 1619 Project that is being taught in thousands of schools across the country. The 1619 Project 
uh, well, it actually, it, what it says is that it says it in 1619, the year the first uh, chattel uh, slaves arrived, is the date of America's founding, not 1776 with the signing of the Declaration of Independence. This history-free uh, or historian-free history of America was to refocus our American story around one thing that was slavery. It, this is how the deconstructionists, empowered by cultural Marxism, can implement things like critical race theory. This is how the deconstructionists, empowered by cultural Marxism, can implement things like uh, e even ch very basic changes to things like our math. Well, we can't actually know if two plus two is four because math came from white imperialism. If anything came at all ever from white male American considered straight able-bodied Christians, then it is wrong. It needs to be changed. It needs to be scrutinized because they're the, they are the, the hegemic powers of the day and they must become less so that everything else can become more so that the 1% can profit. So now let's move to the philosophy of postmodernism. So I'm gonna break this down We've done this on the show, but I, I, it's just so important. The philosophy of postmodernism, that is the philosophy of the culture in America today. And it is new. For thousands of years, it went pre-modernism, then modernism, then postmodernism. So we can actually put this on the screen so that people really understand it. So pre-modernism, it lasted for thousands of years from Adam all the way up until the 1700s. This was the way of thinking from the beginning of human history all the way up until the Enlightenment period. So pre-modernism says this, the way that all mankind operated into the 1700s said this, there is truth, there is truth, there is truth. And it comes from God. It has a supernatural source. Now, whether it was Yahweh and the God of the Bible, or the assortment of the Egyptian gods, all of mankind, now we know where the ultimate truth came from, but all of mankind agreed that there is truth and it comes from God or their gods. That was the philosophy of man forever until modernism came. Modernism really began in the Enlightenment, which is the 17th century to the 19th century, and modernism lasted for around 250 years. Okay, so the product of modernism was evolutionary theory and atheism, which led to socialism, fascism, communism, and the death of millions upon millions of people in the name of human reason. So what does modernism say? Modernism, modernism says this, there is truth. Once again, there is truth. And we can find it by human reason, not revelation from God and not scripture. It worshiped the human mind. And that is where we even received the uh, evangelism template mm -hmm. for decades. Whenever the evangelists and the uh, apologists would go to the streets to evangelize young people, what would they say to them? Well, you don't believe in God? Listen, I can take your modernist mindset, that, that truth uh, comes from science, but I can show you how science is from God, right? And it saved lots of people. That doesn't work today. And we've got to figure out a new template to evangelize. 
because we are no longer in a modernist society that says that there is truth, but it comes from, from science. No, we are now in a post-modern society. Modernism says this, there may be truth, but we can't know it. Truth is whatever you want it to be. It's intuitive, it's experiential, it's not universal, and it's not knowable. You can preach, you can't preach with certainty if you believe that. And all that's left is tolerance because there is no truth. So you should be tolerant of everybody's truth because everybody's different. It's always fluid, it's always changing. So eternal truths are fluid, experiential. Here's what you need to write down. This is how deconstructionists, I was saying this earlier about, uh, about Marxism, but now we're gonna change the word. This is how deconstructionists empowered by postmodernism can pose questions to change truth and alter the absolute truth. It is, this is how deconstructionists empowered by postmodernism can give us things like 72 genders. I was saying 28, I guess it's 72. I guess you can even find more than that now. I saw a funny TikTok video of uh, some guy interviewing this other man um, at some type of, it was either like an event or uh, a concert or a festival of some sort. And he, and it was kind of rapid fire. And he says, tell me how many genders are there? And the guy, guy actually misheard the question, but it's perfect for a postmodern society. So he, so he says, uh, how many genders are there? And he goes, Oh, I don't know. I just got here. <laughs> right? Right. I mean, it's right. like, no, you should look around. Okay. I see some women. I see some men. So that's many, it. There's two. <laughs> yeah. Well, well I, I don't know. I just got here. Uh, there could be five, six, or it could be all 28, 72. Who knows? I just yeah. got here. I haven't asked everyone what their pronouns are. Exactly. Right. <laughs> right. And uh, so here's the thing. So it's, it's deconstructionists empowered by postmodernism that um, it, it's, it's now uh, changing the way, so, so 72 genders, now it's changing even things like, what does it mean to be a pedophile? You were seeing culturally a softening towards pedophilia. Many people, even, even at, I, I even saw one at a TED talk saying, don't call them pedophiles, no. Call them minor attracted persons. Unbelievable. And it is because, it is because that these two philosophies working hand in hand give unlimited power to deconstructionists to destroy, to revise, to change everything from the cultural Marxist side of what does it mean to be American? What does it mean? What does freedom mean? You know, how are we founded? It can change everything because it pits us against you know, if you're white, if you're male, if you're censured, you're the enemy, you're bad. So it can change us as a country. But then, like I said, the deconstructionists are empowered also by the postmodern philosophy, which changes truth, which changes everything moral. What, what God calls good, they're calling evil. And what God calls evil, they're calling good. And it's because, once again, I'm repeating myself on purpose. It's because... Um, the deconstructionists empowered by postmodern, that's why they can give us things like abortion and not have any conviction on taking life. Because what is life if there is no truth, if, if everything's different? That's why we can now see, like the Disney Corporation, 
by the end of 2022, we'll have an LGBTQ plus person represented in every single movie, every single you know show or short uh, that they do. These two philosophies working hand in hand give unlimited power to the deconstructionists, which gives power to the revisionists to change what we know as truth. And I really wanted to break that down for you clearly today. And I want to end with this. These philosophies have infiltrated the church. And they're known as the emergent church movement. The emerging church movement, as John MacArthur puts it, he says this, quote, it's an amorphous, loose-knit association of churches that has decided that there is, there is value or virtue in uncertainty about Scripture. They believe that we aren't even supposed to understand precisely what the Bible means. And because of postmodernism, it is a denial of the clarity of Scripture. It's another form of liberalism. This is a way that comes from the philosophy of postmodernism. The real motive, the real reason the emerging church accepts postmodernism is because of their unwillingness to accept the clear teaching of Scripture. Mm -hmm. The reason they deny it is not because it isn't clear. No, it's because they don't like what it says. John 3, verse 20 and 21 says this, For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who does the truth comes to the light, that his deeds may be clearly seen, that they have been done in God. One of the big issues in the emerging church is homosexuality, right? They don't want to take a stance on it. Um, the Bible is not vague on this issue, and it couldn't even be more clear. Leviticus 18.22 says, You shall not lie with a male as with a woman. It is an abomination. 1 Corinthians 6.9-11 through 11, do, not, do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither fornicators, neither idolaters, nor the adulteress, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor um, covetous, nor drunkards, nor vilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. But you were washed, but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Amen. 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 Listen, every human culture and society in history apart from the gospel is or was anti-God. I was telling a friend of mine yesterday, people think that I'm so, that I'm so political. Um, and I see why they say that. I, I guess you could say I'm <laughs> But it's about the Bible. It, it's, it's, it's not about politics. Now, because politics have moved into the area of, of, of moral behavior. Of, they, have, they have went from here to the Word of God. Well, now I must talk about these things, and I must talk about them often, mm -hmm. because the Word of God talks about these things. And people say, oh, I'm confrontational, this and that. Listen, the Bible has always confronted culture. Mm -hmm. Always. 
So if you don't think so, then you're just in the wrong church. You're just in, you just have the wrong mentors because listen, the Bible has always confronted culture. It never, ever adapts to culture. Mm -hmm. The word of God is not progressive. The word of God is not changing. If anything, it's regressive. The, it, the, the, Jesus says that he is the, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. We don't adapt the Bible to culture or, or, or culture to the Bible. It's the other way around. The Bible is never changing. It doesn't move. It's not progressive. It stays the same. But yet it is totally and completely relevant to every single generation. Everything we need is right there in the Holy Word of God. No, the Bible has always confronted culture. It never adapts to culture. Listen, we are totally out of time for today's show. Once again, please, I'm asking you to be a part of the Paul Revere Club. It's the first thing we've ever offered since 2018. Go to the ZachTrueShow.com, click IGBY store, and become a monthly partner and receive all of that exclusive content sent to your email every single month. Help us grow. We love you guys, and we'll see you next week.